chapter 7. Hope to goodness. Y'all write your Bible. If you didn't, there's one right in front of you. If there's not, call me a liar. Should be one there. Nobody took it. You know, we're living in a, in a day where people <clears throat> just about believe all kind of things. And <clears throat> you're entitled as far as, or, or you'll be graced in, in my office or wherever, as long as what we believe can be substantiated from the Word of God. And, and I'm okay with that. There's a a doctrine, a theological doctrine known as, as universalism, which says that eventually all people will be saved. Now, the only problem with that is that's not biblical. Not that God doesn't desire or not that he doesn't want everybody to be saved. Unfortunately, in the ministry that the Lord has allowed me to be in, and some of you, a few of you, have come up later in your life and you say, you know what? The Holy Spirit revealed to me that I'm not saved. Now, I can tell you right now, I'm not going to doubt that. I'm not going to try to correct that. If, so, if the Holy Spirit reveals to you that you're not, then my question to you is, let's get it straightened out. Let's get it, get it taken care of. Because you've only got one chance, and then after death, it's over. You can't, you know, universalism also believes there's no hell, and turn to Luke 16 and try to figure that one out. And those are passages and scriptures that Jesus teach. Well, today I want us to look in Matthew 7 because Jesus says, not everyone goes to heaven. Now, on Wednesday night, we are studying uh, on heaven and we're going to talk about the glorious heaven, uh, the glory of heaven, and we're going to listen to Tony Evans Wednesday night. I'm telling you what, I've heard half of it, and it is good. But as much as we're, we'll learn about heaven, I mentioned that there's 500, Wednesday night, 555 verses in the Bible that pertain to heaven. Unfortunately, because the Bible teaches about heaven, doesn't mean everybody's going, does it? Because you and I, have a responsibility, and that is to the Word of God and what it says and what it teaches. So today, in Matthew 7, 21, then the King James Version, it says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Who said that? I just want you to know that Jesus said that. Now, in the New Living Translation, it says somewhat of the same thing, a little bit different. It says, Not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, there are people on both sides of the spectrum about being saved. There are those that say, you know what? Salvation came as a gift from Jesus, but I mean, you got to hold on and endure to the end. You got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. By the way, it doesn't say work out salvation. It says 
work out your own salvation. We'll talk about that in a minute. If you keep these verses in context, you won't try to say and put the accent. Let me tell you something. There ain't one thing you can do once you receive salvation to keep it. Because once you get it, it wasn't yours to begin with. It was God's. You say, Mike, you're giving everybody a license to go do what they want to do. Oh, no, I'm not. It brings us under more accountability and responsibility than you were when you were lost. As Jesus drew near to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he takes the time to remind the people of the seriousness around him of salvation. It's my prayer that as we hear these voices and that we, we do an evaluation of our own life, that we find out and we, and we say, oh, God, am I, am I real? Am I the real deal? Do I know without a shadow of a doubt if I were to die right now, I would immediately be absent from the body, present with the Lord? If you don't know that, there's something wrong. At least if you've been listening to me all these years. We have one opportunity to get it right, guys. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, and he was addressing the scribes and the Pharisees and declaring that they were really not the real deal. They weren't the real thing. And he said in Matthew 5, 20, I warn you, unless you obey God better than the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees do, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven at all. Jesus wants each of us to be the real deal. He wants us all connected to the kingdom of God. And the only way that can happen is that you and I are saved. You see, the secret of being the real deal is know the real thing. And the real deal and the real thing is Jesus. It's not what you do. You say, well, I've got to accept it. But beyond that, it was a gift to you. You received the gift or you didn't. You either have salvation or you don't. Well, Mike, does it matter how I live after salvation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus talked about it, as I said in Matthew 13 through 14, by using a description, first of all, of a narrow gate. He said that you and I are either on a narrow road or a narrow gate or we're on a broad road. Now, understand that those are two distinctive directions. The narrow gate is going to the heavenly city. The broad gate is is leading straight to hell. Well, what about the narrow gate? Well, the narrow gate, or the broad gate, excuse me, is anything goes. You want to be on the broad way? I'll tell you what. You can do anything you want to do. You can say anything you want to do. It's all about you. You can make up your own rules. You can be as religious as you want to be or as rebellious as you want. It don't matter. Do your thing. If you want to go and end up in the destination of the broad road. John 10, Jesus said, 
I am the door of eternal life. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean he's the door? It means he is as narrow as the door. You don't go through the door, I'm going to tell you where you're not going to end up when you die. You're not going to end up in heaven. Jesus said, I am the door. You want to, you want to be with me? You want to be with those who know, knew me when they died? Then you have to go through the door. Jesus also is the narrow road. Some say, boy, it's hard to be a believer. It's hard to be a Christian. Yeah, if you're trying to do it the broad way, it is. You see, the narrow road is not because it's a hard road. It's because it's the only road to glory. You can't get to to heaven any other way. Now, if you're a Buddhist or you're some other kind of universalist or something else, you can teach and believe whatever you want to believe. Jesus made it very simple. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except that what? He come through him. There is no other way to heaven. For you see, he made it, as, in my opinion, as simple as he could. As you, as you could. He said, look, on the narrow way, understand this. It's my plan, not, not my plan, but it's his plan. Who are you supposed to follow on the narrow road? Who are you supposed to follow if you go through the door of salvation? Jesus. Jesus said, my people hear my voice. My people I know. And my people follow me. Look, if you're connected to Jesus... If the Holy Spirit is in your heart and life, you don't want to follow anybody else but him. Colossians tells us that the narrow road is where you and I feel our thoughts on heaven. It's where we put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within us. It's where you and I put away sexual sins and impurity and lust and shameful desires, and we're getting rid of anger, rage, slander, slander, dirty language, and greediness. You see, the narrow road is where you and I live a life of surrender and devotion and dedication to the obedience of God. It's a life that he will bless and that he honors. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to the disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambitions, shoulder your cross, and follow me. You see, I started out in the earlier days with some good guys, good preachers. Now, you wouldn't think a preacher would all of a sudden pastor churches and get a doctrine in theology and then quit, would you? You wouldn't think that a preacher who's led people to Jesus and followed Jesus, all of a sudden they just cast it in and now riding. Now, nothing wrong riding Harleys, and it don't mean if you ride a Harley, you're lost. But he goes to one bar after another. He 
three or four years with the, with the outlaws. He don't care any. I, I wish I could quote from the pulpit what he told me when he walked in my office, but I can't because you judge the fire out of me. But I wasn't surprised. Maybe within him and his heart was just a show. With that said, maybe some of you are here today. And maybe in your heart, it's just a show. Don't really mean business with you. You're not really serious. But I got news for you. Salvation is a serious thing. And we either accept it. You know, Jesus made, first of all this morning, a startling communication in verse 21. He said, not all people who sound religious are really godly people. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. John 3, 3, Jesus tells us the key to being saved. He said, you must be born, what? Again. Why did he say we must be born again? Nicodemus got all confused. He said, man, I can't go back in my mother's womb and be born again. He said, that ain't what I'm talking about. To be born again means you and I must be born from above. What does that mean? That means that the free gift of salvation is a divine deposit of heaven in your life. You receive a nature when you get, when you receive salvation, you receive a nature of the new life, of the divine life. You receive heaven in your life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if heaven hasn't moved into your life, don't expect at the end of your life to go to heaven. It's not going to happen. Because you see, there had to be something supernatural to take place in your life and mine. It's not just saying we agree with Jesus. It's we accept Jesus, we receive Jesus, we ask him, hey, look, Jesus, I want to be a follower of you. I want to be on your team. I want you through the sealing of the Holy Spirit. I want to be with you no matter what. Whatever you call me to be, whatever you call me to do, I'll do it. You see, Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his grace and mercy, he saved us by washing the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. You and I cannot get into heaven if heaven ain't gotten into us. It has to be a divine deposit. We live in the physical world. We were born physically. We were born and we grow up. But then Jesus said, now wait a minute. That birth, that physical birth, that's not enough. You want to go to hell? Just stay with it. Just keep walking. Keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to go to heaven, you have to be born from above. There has to be a washing of the physical and a receiving of the spiritual. Now, the night I got saved, we got a lot of kids in here. 
I won't say what I was doing then. But I wasn't doing right. Now, can you be saved and not do right? Yep. Not long. Because I tell you what, that spiritual belt, it, 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 it's rough. But you can do things wrong, and many of you are. But you will reap what you sow. The night that I gave my heart to Jesus, I'd already joined the church. Matter of fact, I filled out one of them confounded cards. They voted me in. But it didn't save me. The Holy Spirit revealed to me in a service, the, sermon, the preacher was preaching on the prodigal son. Now, I was living that worldly, wild, living life. I was 16 years old. I was faithful to church, but I was faithful to a whole lot of other things, too. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there ain't nobody in here going to get saved until you, first of all, realize you're lost. That night, the Holy Spirit said, you ain't for real. You're a fake. You're a phony. But I'm going to give you a chance to get it right. But I'm going to do with you that I don't normally do with other people. You're going to stand up in front of the people and tell every sin you ever committed. I said, really? He said, yeah, I want that to be embedded in you. Because he had a bigger plan involved, too, because somebody got saved as a result. They couldn't believe that I'd do some of the things I told them I was doing. And poor my mama didn't have a clue what was fixing to happen. She just sat there with the best grin she could on her face. But that night, it got real. And old Mike, Mike quit playing the religious games. Mike quit. Now, did Mike sin? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things that I had to trust God on that, you know, God, I need this stuff out of my life. And some of you need a lot of stuff out of your life that's going on. Well, what did all that mean when I was born again? Well, it was a definite experience. Being born again was just as real as I was born in a baby. And I don't remember that. But I got a birth certificate that says I was born. Not here in this state. I was born in Tennessee. But I was born. Ladies and gentlemen, you also receive the same experience when you're spiritually born. <clears throat> Pastor was out visiting one time, and he ran up on a guy. He says, have you ever been saved? He said, oh, yeah, I've been saved many times. Preacher said, well, how many times have you been saved? I've been saved at least 100 times. What people do. Is you, 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 you receive Jesus and then you sin and say, oh, I must, I got to be lost if I did that. Not necessarily. Because if the Holy Spirit came into your life, you were saved. You were born once physically and you're born once spiritually. You're not saved but, more than one, but one time. And then the Bible says we ought to be growing.
What does it mean to be born again? 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish. But listen to this. But all should come through repentance. You see, being born again means that we've had a change of mind. There's a lot of things I used to do. If I did it today, it would eat my lunch. Why? Because I've had a change of mind. I know those things aren't right anymore. I know, look, there's places that old Mike Franklin don't have no business going. Because I don't want the enemy putting me in a situation. There are a lot of Christians that think, oh, I can still go do what I used to do. Chances are you can't either. You're not that strong. In Jesus, you might be. But why test God? There's also a change of heart been in me because the Bible says I received a new nature. Along with, guess what? I'm an adopted child. Some of you in here going, that ain't so. Hey, look, when the Father adopted me, the Bible says in the book of Romans that I became a child of God, that I, that I was led by the Spirit of God, that am now a son of God, and the Spirit itself bared witness. This is Hebrews, excuse me, 8, 14. And, and that Holy Spirit bears witness with, with our spirit that we're children of God. And if we're children, I'm heirs of God and a joint heir with Jesus. And I have been adopted in God's family. You know what I learned about God? He don't kick us out. God ain't going to kick me out. You can believe anything you want to, but you're going to get to heaven and find out you're wrong. If you become one of his children, he will discipline you, but he's never going to kick you out, at least eternally. There's been also a change of our behavior. In Hebrews 10, it says, For by that one offering, forever all those whom he's making holy, that is, being sanctified from the power of sin, the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. This new covenant, he says, I will make with my people on that day. I will put my laws in their hearts so they will understand them, and I will write them on their minds so they obey them, and I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. And, and what's so cool, I've even had a change of place. I'm not going to hell. Now, before I got saved, I was going to bust hell wide open. But now, I've been glorified. What's that mean? That means that I have an address in heaven. I have a place already in glory. You do too if you're a believer. If you've truly been saved. Then there, he, Jesus made a simple condition. He said, all of us must do the will of the Father. Well, to me, the best verse to know what the will of the Father is, Ephesians 2. God saved you by his special favor. And when you believed, you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for your good work or your good things that you've done. So none of us can boast about it. 
Jesus has created a new divine nature through the life of Jesus in us. So we can do good things and he, that he planned for us long ago. And we're his workmanship created under good works. And Now, look, I don't work to get saved, but by golly, ever since I got saved, I want to work. I don't understand you guys that don't work for Jesus. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't get it out of my head. I got vision and I've got all these things I want to do for God. And, and sometimes they say, God, I can't do this unless you come in on it. But I meet some Christians, they don't give a rip. They just kind of tithe God a little bit of their time. I don't understand how you can claim to be connected to heaven and glory in Jesus and you don't want to work. Now, I want you to know <clears throat> because it leads us to our next thought. Because Jesus made a very stunning complaint. He he told them in verse 22, you've preached in my name, you've cast out demons in my name, and you've performed many mighty miracles in my name. But he said, depart from me, you that work of iniquity, because I never knew you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if work saved you, they had it going on. They had it going on. They were preaching. I've seen those fall by the wayside. Casting out demons. I felt like I was around a bunch through my life. Doing wonderful, mighty miracles, but they were lost as a goose. They didn't know Jesus. They knew about him, but they had not made him a part of their personal life. They had not had a divine intervention with Jesus. Now, look, there's nothing wrong with preaching. That's a good thing. I mean, I don't like how nervous it makes me on Sunday morning because you don't come to church like that. You don't come like a puppy dog having to go 50 times to the bathroom because you're nervous. You don't get woken up probably at 2 or 3 in the morning because you got to deliver a message. And I'm going, oh, Lord, please make this do good. Please let this trans, let, let, it, let it communicate. But preaching's not a bad thing. Look, casting out demons, if you run up on one, is not a bad thing either. But the seven sons of Sceva found out, and they were lost preacher kids that just casting out demons. If you're not right, they'll kick back on you. And man, even in the Egyptian experience, we saw the sorcerers do the same thing as God's prophet. They mimicked miracles. So Satan's got power too. Matthew 8, 22 talks about, and, I, and I've run up these out on the road about where it says, and you shall be hated above all men for my name's sake, but he that dureth, endureth to the end shall be saved. Did you know that that verse don't even have anything to do with salvation at all? At all. It's talking about the persecution of the end. But you see, if we're not careful, we think, oh man, I can produce enough 
excuse me, I can produce enough works, I can produce enough glory, I can produce enough in me to show everybody that Jesus is alive. Man, if you're only going to do that on your own flesh, you ain't going to produce nothing. But I tell you what Jesus will do. He'll take an old drug addict, he'll take an old drunk, he'll take an old murderer, he'll take a, he'll go on, I could go on and on and on, and he will clean them up, and he will make them servants for him if they follow him. But Mike, don't you know in Hebrews 6 it says that God's people can fall away? Yeah, I'll read the rest of that verse, by the way. It says if you could fall away, you can't renew them again under repentance. You want, you want that going on? You think that that's consistent with the nature of God, that God wouldn't forgive you? And then he goes on. He said the reason for that is because you're, bring, you're nailing the Son of God to the cross again and bringing the cross to open public shame. Listen, what Jesus did on the cross to save you will keep you all the way to glory. So quit trying to do it and figure it out and quit trying to judge everybody and look at everybody. Just let Jesus use you. Talk about, share the love of God. Warn other people about what happens when we get off the trail, but the Holy Spirit's got to be the one to do the work. We're supposed to just love folk. Then Jesus makes a shocking confession when he said, I never knew you. John 10, I shared this. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, which is that the deposit of the divine nature, and they will never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I've heard people say, you're a Baptist. You believe in eternal security. No, I'm a Jesus nut, and he said it. I didn't. I can't give you nothing. Jesus said, I came because nobody else could to die for you on the cross and to forgive your sin and become the ultimate sacrifice that when my blood was shed, all you had to do was come to the knee of foot of the cross and open your heart in life. In Revelation chapter 3, I know this talks to the church, but he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will hear my voice, I will, I will come in to him. If they'll open their heart's door and sup with them and fellowship with them. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, when you invite Jesus in, he don't leave. You may pull out on him, but he ain't pulling out on you. You say that's too, too good to be true. Oh, I'm sorry. Take it up with Jesus. And, and it, rather, it don't matter to me whether you can believe you're saved today, lost tomorrow, or, or you believe that everybody's going to be saved. Or, in the end, you're going to find out what the truth is anyway. Amen? Why well, fuss over stuff like that? I'm not. But what I don't want to happen is that you, in the end, find out that you were not a child of glory. And ladies and gentlemen, 
if you never repented of your sin, if you never asked Jesus Christ to come in your heart and life to save you, if you've never, John, uh, Romans 10 says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised his son from the dead, we can be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, and with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And verse 13 says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why? Because there is a divine deposit at that time placed in your life. You'll never see it, and some of you won't feel it. I heard somebody say, well, you you didn't get saved because you didn't come to the altar and cry. What does that have to do with it? I didn't cry either. I cried over sinning more than I did when I come to Jesus. But you must come and receive him. You must have accepted him and believe in him. And he has to be on the inside if you ever expect to see the inside of glory. Now, my question is simple. If you were to die right now, your life would be over. And the decision you've made up to this point will be the final decision. There is no, I mean, whatever you've done at this point, it'll be it. Let me ask you something. Let's just pretend like this is a door, okay? Are you on this side of the door? This is the entrance. Or have you stepped through? If you step through, you're going to... Hopefully follow the plan that Billy Graham thought he would. Angels came and got him. Took him home. But if Billy Graham would have been on this side, I don't care how many people got saved. If he had never went through the door, he wouldn't have went to heaven. I don't care how many preachers, sermons he preached. I don't care how many people come to Christ. I don't care. It don't matter. If you don't get through the door, you're not born again. So how to get in that door? Number one, realize that Jesus is not on the inside and that you've never invited him in. You've never repented of your sins. You've never said, Jesus, I want to follow you. If you're out here, you're lost. But once you step through the door, you are now adopted into his family. That's what he said. And all that have stepped through that door are a part of a big family that one day we're all going to be together forever. Isn't that going to be cool? And you won't have to hear me preach. We're all going to listen to Jesus because after all, he knows exactly what's in that book. And we're just going to feast on him, and we're going to serve him, and we're going to do what he wants us to do. Amen? With your head back.